Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? Welcome back to Fireside Giants with your boys, Alex and Anthony. A little bit of an injury update as we start this episode. We're going to dive into an underrated tight end who's made a pretty nice impression on this Giants team over the past couple weeks. And Travis Kelsey kind of speaking out on behalf of Kadarius Tony after being traded, has some choice words for the Giants organization saying that he doesn't really understand why they traded him in the first place. He's like baffled and he like gives credit to the Chiefs organization for bringing in Tony and, you know, clearly... Um, they haven't experienced uh, the injury woes that we have, but maybe they're behind it. Maybe they were all uh, a facade all along. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Let's ta- take a look at some of the injury updates as of today. Josh Azudu, left guard, neck injury, did not practice. Wandale Robinson, tight hamstring, did not practice. Kenny Galladay, who cares, did not practice. Um, you know, this is a situation where the Giants are kind of losing players at an inopportune time. Maybe it's the cold weather, some hammies pulling up. Uh, but the neck injury to, to Azudu is definitely a little bit uh, interesting. And uh, we'll talk about a replacement for him. Definitely an old friend um, coming back from IR and maybe making an impact here. So, Anthony, before we dive into a couple of the uh, more relevant topics, how do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. It's an interesting day on the injury report. As you mentioned, Josh Azidu with the neck injury, kind of random, uh, but hopefully it's nothing too serious. But thankfully, the Giants seem to have some offensive line reinforcements on the way. And again, Nick Gates has been getting increased playing time. His return to the field is a historic moment. You know, that is just an awesome thing to see that he's been on the field in these regular season games and making at least somewhat of an impact. So at least we have him and we have some other offensive linemen coming into the fold and able to provide uh, some sort of talent and impact to the offensive line. But also looking at some of these other topics that we're discussing, I'm excited to dive into Lawrence Cager making a name for himself with the New York Giants after, uh, you know, moving on from the New York Jets. Didn't really make much of a trek, just went from one locker room to the next in the same building. And then this whole Travis Kelsey discussing Kadarius Tony thing, clearly he's out of the loop because us Giants fans 100% understand why the guy was traded. So maybe he just needs to be enlightened on this fact. But I think that it is interesting to see, you know, Kadarius Tony was injured for so long and then immediately goes to the Chiefs, scores a touchdown, mosses somebody never saw that side of Kadarius Tony except for one game against the Cowboys last season but out of nowhere he's been injured all year and all of a sudden he steps into Kansas City and he's just a god amongst men it was utterly insane to me so very surprising stuff to see but again more focused on the New York Giants than I am Kadarius Tony and the Kansas City Chiefs so I'm excited to really dive into uh Lawrence Cage during this injury report report yeah, absolutely. So replacing Azudu is definitely um, difficult. You know, obviously Ben Bredesen going down, then Azudu going down, and then who's up next? Is it Nick Gates? Is it Shane Lemieux? Well, according to some reporters, Shane Lemieux is actually in line to be elevated to the active roster and playing at left guard in week 11 against the Detroit Lions. And he hasn't been practicing for very long, has been dealing with that toe injury for quite a while now. So who knows how he's going to look? He could either look okay or he could look absolutely terrible. You know, this is definitely a bit of a polarizing uh, situation the Giants have found themselves in. But, you know, can never determine injuries. Not really sure when Azudu had that neck issue, but hopefully he's okay. It seems like it may just be a minor thing that he maybe just needs a week off from. Um, he's been, you know, getting decent as the games have gone on here with more experience. Really good feet, very athletic, very fast, powerful in the run game Azudu is. Um, pass protection still needs a little bit of work, but he's getting there. He's a rookie fourth round pick out of UNC after all. So what do you expect? 
Uh, but I'll tell you what, this Giants team, they've managed to next man up and next man up and next man up. And speaking of next man up, Lawrence Cager, we're down to our like fourth freaking tight end at this point, fifth tight end maybe, uh, brought him from the Jets practice squad. Now he's starting for the Giants and had a touchdown last week uh, from Daniel Jones in the red zone there, a little uh, crossing pattern but like before line of scrimmage. They really put him in motion, slid him across the uh, uh, the line of scrimmage and bam, he was open for a touchdown. He, you know, a former wide receiver transitioned to tight end, six foot five, 220 pounds. Um, his birthday is actually August 20th, 1997, minus August 21st, 1996. So I am a year older than this man, and he is scoring touchdowns in the NFL. So I feel like I may be a bit behind in my development. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, Lawrence Cager is a nice little piece. He's a good receiving tight end, not going to offer you much as a blocker. He actually got pushed back so far. Saquon Barkley ran into his butt last week. It was kind of a little butt fumble situation without the fumble, just a butt tackle. Um, and you know, this is kind of what you're getting in Lawrence Cage. You're getting no blocking, really. You're getting good receiving capability. So you gotta have to take one with the other. Uh, but he's a nice little piece that I think could be an asset for the Giants moving forward. He's proved to be um, a solid pass catcher. The only other opportunity he really missed was Daniel Jones overthrew him on a, on a deep round the right side of the field a couple games ago, and that was a big miss that DJ should have had. So uh, you know, he's been open. He's gotten opportunities, whether it be Daniel Jones's fault or something else. Um, he's been he's been available, and I think that he's going to kind of carve out a bigger role here until Daniel Bellinger returns, um, which could be in maybe two or so weeks. Apparently, they're just waiting for his vision to make make sure it's stabilized, um, and that should be ready to go. His eye socket, I think, is healing nicely. Wearing a visor, he's been catching passes. Uh, so I think he's trending in the right direction, but you know, Anthony, we're looking at Lawrence Cager and, you know, they have Tanner Hudson as well. seems like they've kind of been leaning Cager recently. How do you feel that role for him could develop further as the season continues? Yeah, so they are leaning Cager. In fact, the uh, the snap count versus the Texans was Lawrence Cager with 44 snaps, Chris Myrick with 15, and Tanner Hudson with only 10. So Lawrence Cager has emerged as a New York Giants starting tight end uh, this past week against the Houston Texans, and he played well. I mean, he had two receptions for nine yards and the touchdown. Uh, the touchdown kind of showed his athleticism. You know, he was going across in motion, as you mentioned, gets it, makes a man miss, run after catch, and gets into the end zone. And that's kind of something that the Giants offense was missing once Daniel Bellinger went down with the injury. The other tight ends on the roster, Hudson, Myrick, those guys were pretty solid possession receivers, kind of catch it, go down, make some contested catches. But with Cager, you have the ability to move him in space, let him run after the catch, something that Daniel Bellinger is really good at. So it's a little bit more of an easy transition there in the receiving department. But as you mentioned, uh, Cager is a little bit of a liability as a run blocker, and that could lead the Giants to maybe not make him the full-time starter like they made him against the Texans. Maybe try and work Myrick and Hudson in there a little bit. Maybe those guys can provide a little bit more blocking because clearly Lawrence Cager, former receiver, converted the tight end that's not his strong suit it's not his specialty to do anything as a run blocker I'm waiting for Daniel Bellinger to come back very patiently because I love how he provided such a boost not only as a solid receiver but also as a run blocker and it seems like what the Giants are finding themselves in here is a situation where they can find one tight end who's very good at blocking and they can find one tight end who's very good at receiving but they can't find one tight end who can do both minus Daniel Bellinger so patiently waiting for Daniel Bellinger to re-enter the lineup again he was so impactful during that first half of his rookie season before he went down with that really unfortunate injury. But I like what Lawrence Cager is providing to the lineup right now. I love his athleticism. I love his receiving abilities. And I'm excited to see if the Giants start to utilize him more as a downfield receiver and really try to get him involved, similar to how the Giants used to try to get 
Evan Engram involved because Evan Engram was, again, one of those really athletic receiving tight ends. And Daniel Jones has a lot of experience throwing to Evan Engram. Unfortunately, has a lot of experience having his passes dropped by Evan Engram. But maybe Lawrence Cager can be somewhat of a similar playing style to Engram, but minus the drops, hopefully. So I'd like to see if they can build on what Lawrence Cager has brought to the lineup right now, continue to develop him as a receiving tight end, and see what kind of impact he can make down the stretch of the season. Absolutely. You know what's kind of crazy to me realizing that Saquon Barkley ran for like 150 yards last week and didn't have Evan Neal or Daniel Bellinger. How the hell are they figuring this out? How the hell are they using so many backups and getting so much production out of their guys anyway? It's, I mean, talk about great coaching. I, I can't say enough about Mike Kafka. Can't, can't say enough about Brian Dable and what they've done. This offensive line coach with Bobby Johnson. Um, what Just what a great job all around that these guys have done to find ways to get value out of nothing. You know what I mean? Like we thought Daniel Bellinger and Evan Neal would have a significant impact on the running game, and it did. But even so, they're still seeing 150 plus yards or 100 plus yards a game from Saquon. I actually found this this morning, the statistic. Saquon Barkley has four uh, games this season with 100 plus rushing yards, right? He only had 500 plus rushing yards in his last three seasons combined. He already has four this season. And I don't know if you guys saw this. Dan Orvlosky said on uh, on uh, on Twitter, I believe, on social media, had a whole little video about how the running game has returned to the NFL. Pass per attempt, so like yards uh, per attempt uh, from a passing play, is the lowest it's been since 1933 at 11 yards per reception. The NFL, 4.5 yards per carry this year. It's the highest the NFL has ever seen. The running game is back. Uh, it's kind of weird, actually, because everyone's been so hyper-focused on uh, passing the football, passing the football. But the Giants have kind of somehow modernized at the same time in a really good running game. It seems like San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's system has kind of set the tone. And teams around the league are realizing, like, the running game is important. Why? One, I think it reduces turnovers. The running game in, in general reduces turnovers because I'd say you're probably throwing more interceptions than fumbles, um, whether that be interceptions from receivers or, or uh, rather interceptions from receivers or rather, sorry, fumbles from receivers or interceptions from the quarterback, whereas you're only only fumbling from a running back position, which I think is low probability to begin with. And you are uh, you have more time of possession when you're running the football. You know, you waste more clock. You keep your defense off the field. There's a lot of pod positive variables that actually play into a good running game. And I think that the Giants establishing that now and then pairing it in conjunction in the future with a good passing game is going to provide beautiful results. And I'm really excited to see how that kind of goes. But Anthony, like, what are your thoughts on the return of the running game, the obvious influence that Saquon Barkley's had, and and how? eventually they can marry those two things together running and passing and already having an elite running game could really give them a, a nice modern offense to work with. Yeah, 100% it can, but I will say this year of rushing returning to being the focal point of offenses in the NFL comes at a very bad time for the New York Giants with Saquon Barkley in a contract year. They're going to have to pay up now. This this is showing like the NFL is moving back towards rush heavy attacks. They're placing an emphasis and a value on the running back position once again, which just means that this Saquon Barkley contract is likely to reset the market, which is very unfortunate for the New York Giants. They're probably going to get caught here if they want to keep Saquon Barkley long term. They're going to have to pay him a whole lot of money because, once again, that running back position is very valuable. So they're going to have to pay up for Saquon. But you know what? You can argue that it's worth it, especially if this trend continues to move this way towards rushing being the focal point of offenses in the NFL. And if the Giants are really going to continue to build around this ground-heavy Saquon Barkley-led approach, 
I mean, you you got to pay them, man. You just got to do it. You got to pay them. But taking a look at how this offense could be even better, of course, we do need more receiving talent. We need more opportunities for Daniel Jones to throw those Danny Dimes, all of that. But that's probably going to be the focus this upcoming offseason. I would assume that going into the 2023 offseason, the Giants are going to look at their team, say, okay, I love what we've built in this running game. I love Saquon Barkley here in this role. Let's extend him. Let's build around him. Let's get some more pieces up front for him to block but we need to be less one-dimensional on offense right i think everyone can agree that the giants do get a little bit one-dimensional sometimes it's working they're seven and two most people are unable to stop them and stop that rushing attack of saquon barkley but it is a little bit one-dimensional and sooner or later some teams might start to figure it out and what happens when the giants go up against a dominant run defense that actually does bottle up saquon barkley for a game can you rely on Daniel Jones to go out there with this group of backup receivers and practice squad receivers and tight ends to win a football game? It's kind of a tall task. So this offseason, the Giants are probably going to look to become a little bit less one-dimensional and improve their passing game. And that's exactly what they should do. Extend Saquon Barkley, continue to build around him, but have a one-two punch here. Don't just have the one uh, rushing attack, also have that passing attack. So this offseason, I would even go as far as to say, I think that wide receiver is going to be one of the top targets for the Giants in the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. I feel like that's a position they're really going to be keying in on as they begin their scouting probably next month. They really start to dive into it. So it's going to be really interesting to see here but as far as the rest of this regular season, the Giants have a very difficult schedule ahead of them to make it to the playoffs. They need to continue with this offensive approach that they're going with right now. It's very important for them to, you know, just keep doing what's gotten them this far. I mean, at seven and two, they have one of the best records in the NFL. They have a two game lead on the final wild card spot. So they just need to keep building, keep running with this approach keep feeding Saquon Barkley, but I'd love to see them start to mix in a little bit more of that Daniel Jones arm. He only has eight uh, passing touchdowns on the year. I know he's provided plenty of rushing touchdowns as well, but the eight passing touchdowns, it is a low number. However, the two interceptions is that saving grace, right? The eight to two, the four to one ratio there is tremendous. He hasn't thrown an interception in six weeks. You can't ask for much more from Daniel Jones. He is leading the Giants to very clean victories. He's playing winning football. And in fact, that eight touchdowns, that's tied with the reigning champion, Matt Stafford, who also has eight passing touchdowns, but to eight interceptions. And it's even more than future Hall of Famer, Russell Wilson, who's thrown seven passing touchdowns with five interceptions. I'll take the eight to two ratio over the eight to eight or the seven to five any day of the week. So Daniel Jones, I love what he's bringing to the offense. Ham, Saquon Barkley, they are working in unison, a perfect pairing right there. And I love what the Giants are building on offense. And I just can't wait to see this team push through this final month of the schedule here and hopefully make their first playoff appearance since 2016. Oh, man, that sounded pretty good. That sounded real nice. <laughs> First playoff appearance is 2016. Yeah, I mean, I I'd love to see it. Imagine OBJ finds his way back here, too, just to get right back into the playoff mix with the Giants. Skip the whole five, six years that we were really shit, just dog shit, and jump right in, <laughs> ride the ride the bandwagon up with Brian Dable and co. So I'm excited about that. But just to hit on something very shortly, I don't want to spend too much time on Travis Kelsey's comments, but I thought it was worthwhile mentioning uh quickly so essentially this is what travis kelsey had to say about uh Kadarius tony being traded. said i don't know how he got out of that building i don't get it one bit i don't even want to know what happened over there i'm just extremely happy uh that brett veach their general manager found a way to get again to get an unbelievably talented player in this building um you know 
Travis Kelsey obviously doesn't know the full story. I mean, Kadarius Tony obviously is probably telling people the story that he knows, um, which is different. You know, he did not do himself any favors here. There's a reason he wasn't playing. You know, he had the hamstring injury over the summer. He didn't know the playbook properly. Um, there's a lot of different things that I that I I tend to think uh, hurt his stock. But most of all, I just don't get the sense he ever wanted to be here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who doesn't want to play in New York? Who doesn't want to make a name for themselves in the best city in the world? You know, I, I don't know personally, but I have to say, um, it just didn't feel like he wanted to be here. The second he went to Kansas City, his whole mood changed. His emotions changed. He seemed happy, and I'm like, he doesn't didn't ever seem like he was happy here. And um, I don't really, I don't really know why. But you know, there's a lot more to the story that we probably just don't know behind the scenes. And you know, clearly, uh, he was healthy and he was ready to play. So definitely an interesting. Uh, you know, comment from Travis Kelsey, who doesn't know jack shit. But I'll tell you what, um, I'm, I'm happy we got some draft capital in exchange because he wasn't going to play. He didn't want to play. And if you don't want to be here, get the hell out. That's all I have to say, Anthony. You know, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's clear and obvious Kadarius Tony didn't want to be part of the New York Giants. He didn't want to be in New York. He wanted a change of scenery, and the Giants obliged. They gave him that change of scenery. He wasn't playing. It was a waste of a roster space for the Giants, but a third and fifth round pick. Now, the Giants can make good use of that rather than having Kadarius Tony. Uh, basically, they were just using him to warm up some seats on the sideline. And actually, that's not even true. He wasn't even traveling with the team. He wasn't even on the sideline. He was just taking up space on the roster and basically refusing to play because as soon as he gets traded, he's healthy. I, I honestly, I can't lie. I feel like that was a fake injury there. I know it's kind of hard to speculate. And as you said, there's so much behind the scenes that we don't know. But he was on the injury report for weeks. They said it was going to be weeks until he returned. He got traded and immediately returned to action with the Kansas City Chiefs. As you mentioned, he did not want to be here. He just didn't want to be a member of the New York Giants. And that is okay. We can move on from a player like that because there are plenty of players who do want to be here and are winning football games at 7-2 and two in the Big Apple. So, whatever, man. Goodbye to Kadarius Tony. I hope he has a good career with the Chiefs. I'm not really worried about it. And Travis Kelsey just seems to be out of the loop here. He really doesn't know what was going on over with the New York Giants and Kadarius Tony. Uh, he doesn't know how he got out of that building. I feel like it's pretty obvious he got out because he wanted to get out and the Giants just did the right thing and let him go. So that, that's kind of the answer there. And then the other quote, he doesn't get it. He doesn't even want to know what happened over there. Well, then he doesn't need to know. And clearly he does not know at all what was going on with Kadarius Tony, but now he and the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans can deal with Kadarius Tony whenever he has another injury or a fake injury, or he goes ahead and starts attacking fans on Twitter and Instagram DMs because those are things that he did here with the New York Giants and their fans. So when the going gets tough over in Kansas City, if that day is to ever come, maybe not with Patrick Mahomes a quarterback, but if that day is to come. Kadarius Tony's probably going to be the first one to jump ship and start attacking people, as we saw with his behavior here with the New York Giants. So it's okay that he's gone. I'm okay with it. I think that the Giants are better off in the long run. Yes, in the short run, we might be missing out on some electric run after the catch abilities from Kadarius Tony, but you know what? Allow him to have a great career with the Kansas City Chiefs. Won't bother me at all. I'll be rooting for him over there. I love the Chiefs. Love Mahomes. Kelsey is a great player uh, and all that. So it, it just is what it is, man. He's not here. He didn't want to be here. And he's never coming back. I guess it's it's that blatant and it's that true. So, you know, I'd love to hear perspectives below. On our couple a couple different topics to discuss today, you know, Shane Lemieux's return, potentially starting um, in week 11 against the Detroit Lions. Obviously, Lawrence Cager we discussed. We discussed a couple other guys, the running game, um, and how it's kind of 
come back to the NFL and how it's a bigger proponent now. So uh, it's really interesting. This this league right now is confusing, man. The NFC East is dominant. The Eagles are trying to sign run de- run defenders at a insane pace. They got Linval Joseph and the, the Dominican Sue today. Um, and Saquon Barkley is still going to run all over their asses. So, you know, we're fine with it. You know what I mean? So I'm excited. we got a nice, uh, tough schedule ahead of us. But you know what? If you want to beat good teams in the postseason, you got to be good teams during the regular season. So let's see what this Giants team can do. Let's see what these guys can produce on the field. And hopefully we emerge victorious moving forward, my friends. As always, make sure to like, subscribe, enjoy the rest of your day. Let's go Big Blue. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode. 